you know, you think of brave is so cliche name, but bravery has so much power behind it. Like there's different kinds of bravery. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Colombian Influence. Uh, we are so excited to have a guest today from um, Baby Be Brave, the creator from Baby Be Brave, Michelle. And oh my gosh, we just finished recording with her and we are kind of stunned sitting in our feels a little bit. And you never know what to expect with an interview. Never. And so. You know, we get the base of someone's story, who they are, kind of just off of Instagram, which is yeah. nothing. Yeah. And, you know, we felt like there was a good connection there, but then actually being able to sit down, speak with her, hear her side of the story, her adoption journey, um, it's just really always enlightening to be able to do that and just to be support for everyone in our adoptee community, because as you'll hear in this, I mean, it has not been an easy journey for her, yeah. but yet she is out here just Doing giving all. all the, yeah, giving all the best advice, staying brave, being hopeful and just never giving up. And I mean, just kudos to her because there is a lot that goes into being an adoptee and all the trauma that comes around with it. But she has just, really been a light and continues to share the light to all of us. That was so well said. It's just, you know, (laughs) Erica snaps for Erica. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I don't, I don't really even know what to add to that. I think if I think we'll just kind of leave it at that and um, let you guys hear it for yourself and hear about all the amazing things that Michelle is doing. Uh, One thing in particular is really just, um, National Adoptee Awareness Month is this month in October. Uh, One thing we talk about there is going to be uh, Adoptee Remembrance Day, I believe, October 30th. 30th, yep. So October 30th is Adoptee Remembrance Day, just honoring those adoptees who we've lost. And um, just want to also share this statistic right off at the top is that adoptees are four times more likely to die by suicide. And that's a really tragic statistic to know about and be part of that community. And we always want to bring more awareness to that and to healing. And Michelle has a a lot of really great points about asking for help. And that's something that a lot of adoptees, including us, struggle with. So um, without further ado, I'm just going to go ahead and get everything started with Michelle. This is a great conversation and we hope you guys learn a lot from it. All right. Well, we have Michelle here with us. We're so excited to have you. We've been trying to have this conversation for a long time now, it seems like, but we're finally able to get that confirmed and sitting here with you today. It's been a long time coming, but we're excited. Oh, I'm really excited to be here um, just for this opportunity. Like you said, it's been a while since we planned it. So yes. it finally happened. It was meant yeah. to be at this time and I'm excited to chat with you ladies. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Well, let's just have the listeners uh, learn a little bit about you. Tell us about yourself, like where you were adopted from, where you live now, just kind of those basics. Okay, so I was adopted from Kompanong, Romania in 1988. Um, I spent the first two years of my life in an orphanage um, until I was adopted into America by, of course, American family at two. Um I currently live in New Jersey, uh, which is like maybe 20 minutes right outside of Philadelphia. And that's where I was raised in Philadelphia. And um, yeah, that's, I mean, let me know if there's anything, what else you want me to share with that. Do you remember, since you were about two, do you have any memory of kind of where, like the orphanage and things like that before you came to the U.S.? So I don't, um, I I don't know if a lot of, like, you know, traumas blocks out a lot of memories. Mm -hmm. So either that happened or I just was young and just didn't know. Um, however, when I did an EMDR session, um, I was learning to like Mm. really like dig into my inner, do a lot of inner child work and 
the little girl inside and really like heal her. And I, one day I had this epiphany that I abandoned myself in that orphanage and I left myself there and I was like my blocker and I could not for life of me realize why I couldn't move on or begin to start healing until I realized that. So with an EMDR session, I had to, it was like a form of hypnotherapy. I went in under um, a Mm -hmm. trained uh, professional doing it. And she guided me through it, and I had to put myself, I had to walk myself into the orphanage, um, and basically my adult self to the little girl, my little me, I had to talk to her. I had to apologize to her uh, for leaving her behind. Like, I had to provide that safe space for her again to, to you know, to come with me. So it, it took a while. I mean, it's very emotional. Um, but yeah. when I went into that, um, the, the hypnotherapy, I started hearing like memories started coming back of like, I would hear the children crying. Um, a lot of our less were in like cribs. So we're all like together. Um, so I heard like the children crying. I could feel the bars of the cribs between my hand. Um, there's like a, a few things that came back to me. And like I said, without that, I could not remember anything, but I guess thankfully with that, I was able to have something. But yeah, that's, uh, that's the memories I have. And, you know, it's a, a bittersweet, you know, moment where you can't, I can't connect to that memory, those memories until I do a hypnotherapy. So it's sad, but also like, I guess I'm grateful for that opportunity. I'm able to at least do it in that way. Yeah. I mean, that's a really, you know, interesting outlook just because, um, I don't know. I feel like so many people could say like, oh my gosh, that's terrible. And you're like, I'm grateful to have that experience, which is, I think a lot of us in the adoptee community, as we've transitioned through the healing process, that's kind of what, you know, you get Mm -hmm. to that point. So I don't know. I'm hoping that there's people out there listening to this and being like, I haven't even gotten close. And maybe this is where I want to be and where I need to be. And this is the kind of work that needs to be done to get there. So yeah, during that, um, so she wouldn't, little me would not look me in the eyes. I I was talking to her the whole time. And I eventually, I had my hand out and and like wanting her to grab my hand. And she eventually did. She looked up at me. She grabbed my hand and it's very powerful. Like, you know, when I used to think about this, like years ago, I would, I was never against it. I didn't think it was like weird. I was just like, I there's no way I would ever be able to do this. You know, is that really true? Do these things right. come back? And do you have these moments that you hear people have until I actually did it? And I, and I did have those moments, like to just know that I was able to do that and like pull myself out. And my, my safe, happy place is the beach. I know everyone says the beach is their favorite place. Like, but to me, like it's a different happy place for me. It's where I find like tranquility and calmness yeah. and where I think a lot and just feel most at peace. So I, I brought her to the beach and we walked along. And um, as we were walking, um, we were walking towards the water and I let her like her hand go like and she kept walking. And it's it's emotional, but like she she kind of turned around and just gave me a smile and I smiled at her and she just knew she was safe. It was okay. She was ready. Yeah. That's what I said. It's okay. Like you can go. Like it's time for you wow. to leave. Um, that so is so powerful. <laughs> chills. So oh my yeah, when I got done the session, I um I felt like I was on an emotional high. Like I was on a cloud. Oh, for sure. And I was just like I felt so good, and it was just so beautiful. So, um, but yeah, it's so yeah. To answer your question, that is my yes. memories I have through that. So, wow. I mean, first, just wow. I have, I don't know. That's just an experience I've been kind of wanting for myself. And Erica and I have talked about this off and on so many times. And it's really great to hear that firsthand, like how that actually went. Because, you know, you hear about like kind of the outcome just in a very vague sense, but not like the process. And I've done EMDR before, but for a very different circumstance. And it was so helpful it's so weird when there's something so like scientific and technical that helps your emotions like it just that has always been such a weird concept to Mm -hmm. me but it works so you know I think that's something that you know we're definitely interested in trying Mm -hmm. um 
before, or I guess not even before, but back kind of going back to that original in your story with being in the orphanage, do you have um, information? I guess this kind of goes into like further questions about if you know bio uh, bio family, but do you know the circumstances surrounding your adoption or around like being placed for adoption and in an orphanage and all of that with bio family? So that's a really good question. It's a very complex question. Um, so sure. I think what I'm going to start off by saying is I've had multiple versions of my story told to me throughout my life, and I've had to grieve all the versions. I've had to heal from some. I've had to now then be on board of another one and make that my story, and it's um, and it's still continually happened to me. It just happened to me last month. So um, the version I was told from the beginning... I, I, well, I was told I was adopted at eight years old by my adoptive father. And um, I know, I know I see your face. <laughs> um, it was a very interesting time for me. Um, I, it, you know, it, I wasn't to the point where I was younger, where like, if you told me growing up, I, it would become a part of me and there wouldn't be any like weirdness, I guess, or awkwardness. But I, I was at that awkward age, eight years old, where like I was comprehending a lot, but also not to the fullest, of course, with things. Mm -hmm. So when he told me, you know, my my first reply to him being eight was, you mean my mom's not my real mom. And obviously mm -hmm. we hate that, that term. Like we strive mm -hmm. against like using the term real when it comes to mm -hmm. your like your biological or adoptive family. But I was eight. I didn't know what to say. That's just what I knew. So that, and, yeah. and it was more of like, it wasn't in a hurtful, like hateful manner. It was just a... Mm -hmm. I'm so taken back, like I'm confused, and I feel like now everything yeah. is a lie. Like everything that I thought yeah. growing up was just <sighs> not the truth anymore. And then from that moment on, it just changed everything. But, um, but the version at the time he told me was, um, well, which again, eventually my mom eventually told me too, like along with him another, at another time. Just you know, the, the, I guess a typical story you hear with. Um, she loved you so much that she wanted to give you a better life. And, you know, she did this for you and she just couldn't afford like, which I get. I mean, it, it's mm -hmm. when, when you're a kid, that's like golden information. That's what you go by. That's your gospel, what you're told. And I just grew up thinking that. Um, but I mean, I'll go into the versions as we keep talking. Um, but I, I wanted to answer that question. So that was my very first conversation when I was younger I didn't have all the details that's it was the glamorized version of it basically for sure and I think that's what happens to most of us you know yeah. exactly mm -hmm. what you just said yeah. oh, she loves you um you know it's just for the better whatever the case may be yeah I just can't even fathom having multiple stories told to me and I guess like I kind of I kind of get that because I've heard certain things from my birth mom and the search and like now she has siblings, but why didn't you have siblings when I first asked you? Things like that, mm -hmm. but not necessarily around my whole adoption per se. It's more just background of her and parts maybe that she's ashamed of, but yeah, that's very interesting. So the second time, like, did you go and try to find your birth mom? And is this now when that second time of information was different? Yeah, very different. Um, so obviously you get older, you, you become a teenager, everything. Your life as a teenager is already like scary, just being a female and a teenager. Um, and then you have the whole being adopted on top of that, which has more complications and more like trying to fit in and feeling mm -hmm. different and all of the above. So um, I was determined I'm a very determined person. I like, I'm like, I was used to call myself Nancy Drew. I like investigate everything. I want to know everything. I mean, I carry like a pen and paper around. I want to know all the details. But um, I decided to go searching for my biological mom in high school, but you had to be 18. So I actually reached out to the lawyer um, who handled my case back in Romania. He was the adoption attorney who handled my case. I reached out to him, um, just doing things that I could do without, like, I guess, legal-wise for now. And he lived in Philadelphia, not far from me. And he basically told me, 
Yeah, he was like, I have, I have all your records. I have photos of your birth mom. Come over and you can go through it. And to me, that was, it was like, it's such an all moment because I had no photos of her growing up. I was constantly looking in the mirror when I was a kid and like mm-hmm. after I was told like, who do I look like? Do I look like her? Do I look like my dad? Do I look like this? Like I would like, I would take features of me and like create images of them and like who I would look yeah. like. And it's, it's, it's sad to have to do that as a kid. But, um, when I heard that I was going to actually see a photo of her, I got so excited. I'm like, oh my gosh, now I can see if I really look like her. Um, so I brought my friend over that, um, I went to high school with and we went through all these boxes to find out there was nothing there. My box was not there. And I left very heartbroken because I really had my hopes up. You know, it was my first time doing it. So, of course, I'm naive to the whole situation, but in a, in a bad way, just I was young. I didn't, nobody knows how to do this stuff when you're a teenager. So, um, yeah, I left heartbroken and, but I, I still was determined. So when I became 18, I decided to hire um, a PI in America which is not recommended if you're an international adoptee, by the way. Um, but he helped me for five years. Nothing was happening. Wow. It took me a long time, a lot of energy, a lot of like, you know, financial, a lot of just emotions going into it every day. Um, in, until he um, actually the adoption attorney or adoption attorney that I originally talked to, uh, set me up to a PI in Romania. He had a contact there. So after five years, it's a shame they didn't do it, you know, at the time. But I, I reached out to him. I gave him all my information, and then I was literally—you never see in a movie where like a person is always carrying their phone around, like waiting for a call. I wouldn't leave my phone; like it went everywhere. I yeah. slept with it on my ear. Like I went to the bathroom with it. Everything. Um, cause I did not want to put it down because he's also from Romania around different times. So I did not want to miss this. So time's going by and I was getting to that point where it's just like, I was starting to get hopeless on it. I'm like, it's five years. It's never going to happen. Yeah. I'm not even joking. Sure. I put my phone down. I walked away and I got a call. I was like, you know what? Forget it. I'm putting my phone down. I'm done. I can't carry it anymore. This is ridiculous. I walk away. I get oh the call. Oh my gosh. And it's him. And he's like, Michelle, I have great news for you. And this was in three weeks. He's like, I found your mom. Oh um, and all of this, he told me everything. And I, sw- I swear I wanted to like fall on the floor on my knees. Like when I heard that, I'm like, oh my gosh. Yeah, it's surreal. Yeah, it is. It is. So to answer your question about the, um, the, the next version. So I went into this again very naive with the whole it's going to be a happy ever after and you know and that's it the fairy tale version to turn out it was it was a dismissal from her she wasn't really um wanting to talk with me she didn't seem interested and of course that's another rejection from her um but then I also found out I had two siblings so I have two younger half siblings so she um, her and her husband had those, uh, my brother and sister. Uh, so we shared the same mom, just different fathers, um, to find also out that, um, at the time I was the product of rape. And of course that just makes it even worse. So not only did I get rejected from my birth mother, then I find out what my, my father did or what he is. And I, it, and that was, that was one version. Um, I mean, I, I want to go chronological to the versions as, like, my story progresses. So let me know if you want to know more of what I just said or have a different question. I think you know best <laughs> on how, like, the, yeah, events, the yeah. order of it. Um, if it makes sense to keep yeah. going, then definitely do so. Unless okay. you want to yeah. bring in, like, your adoptive family at this point. Like, were they part of this process? Like, you know, I'll Do go back siblings to my there? parents um, in a minute. I think maybe I will just keep going then because it's, okay. it's along okay. with it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So, yeah. So that was that. Um, it was about probably, that was 11 years ago. So for 11 years, I lived with the rejection. 
I lived with thinking my father was a rapist. And then, of course, all the thoughts go in my head, like, was she the only one? Was he just her or were there other women? Are there other children out there that he doesn't know about? Or were there children in an orphanage with me at the time that was my siblings? Like, all these different things, of course, go on in my mind. Like, as an adoptee, you overthink everything. And um, that's what I did. So, I, uh, man, it's just, it's so much to share. Um, So, recently, this is where I'll get to the next one. So, that was was another version I had been, you know, on on board about. So, recently, last um, fall, I was going through documentations of, like, my photos. I was talking to an adoptee friend, um, and we were on this uh, FaceTime and I got very, like, nostalgic and, like, emotional one night. So I started showing her, like, my photos and all this this stuff. And I was going through the paperwork. And I, I, I wish I could lie when I say this. There was a letter attached to one of the documents from my birth mother from 11 years ago that I never oh my gosh. got and I never saw. So oh my gosh. Uh, you would think, how could that be possible? Right. Because that that doesn't happen Um, when I saw that. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. And I I was I literally told her I was like, I I don't know what to do. And she's like, well, if you want to read it, I'm here. I'll sit with you while you read it. So at like 2 a.m., I grabbed a glass of wine. She grabbed like something to drink. And like we just like I just like pulled the letter out and started reading it to basically find out that everything that I was told years ago was not the truth anymore. She put in there that she never stopped wanting me. Um, She tried to get me back. She was trying to gain a husband to come back for me. All these things. Um, And it was like my heart was just like sunk. Because I'm like, it's a beautiful moment to hear that. But it's then it's like, I really, honestly, I beat myself up really bad last year. Um, I took it hard because I, I tend to take things really hard on myself. I've gotten better with that. But mm-hmm. I got to the point, I was like, how can I be this dumb? That I've gone through this box several times. I've gone through photos. That, that I've gone through all the paperwork, everything. How can I miss this if it's in my possession? And then I'm like, I've gone through 11 years putting myself through the ringer. I've, you know, sadly, I've attempted to give up on myself, like, all because of just between rejections and, and what he's done. And I, in that midst of it, was also sexually assaulted. So I had more empathy for my mom in that regard. And it just was like, it, it, it was like a whirlwind of like, I found out about what he did. So I, after after I was sexually assaulted, of course, I had nightmares constantly. I would just keep going over what kept happening to me in the, in the dreams. Until it was about six months to a year later, maybe, that's when I found about my birth father, what he did. So the nightmares came back um, mm. where he was the one in the, in the dream with me. So that was a very hard time for me, and I swallowed that. Like, I didn't tell anybody. It's hard to talk about that. Really hard to talk about that. Especially, I didn't have the community at the time. So, um, so, yeah, so I I, I beat myself up for it. But then I finally got to the point, like, I sat processed with it. I'm like, there is a reason that I did not see this letter 10 years ago or 11 years ago. There has to be a reason. God, universe, something. There's a sign telling me that, you know, you needed to find this now. You needed to go through this healing. You needed to do this for yourself first in order to have this. So that's how I take it as a sign. And that's why I just like, I trust now because every time I take things on my own, it just doesn't work out. But when I just let it go, things kind of work out. But it's ironic because right before I found her letter, I was sending her a letter as a goodbye letter, like releasing her from my life. Like, I'm done. I can't hold on to the pain anymore. I can't hold on to you. It's killing me. It's killing my mental health. Um, I said, how could I love someone so much who doesn't want to be there with me, doesn't want me a part of their life? 
So I was had the letter written up, and I was going to mail it to her, and not that far after I found that letter. And I'm like, and that's another reason. I wasn't ready to let go of her at the time. Um, wow. So when I found the letter, I reached back out to my birth, my, or my brother, my half-brother, and just asking, like, is she, is she alive? Is she okay? Because it's been a long time. And it's a you know, different country. It's a lot of problems, you know, there. And she's like, he's like, yes, she, she's here. She's good. She's going to write you another letter. And I'm like, oh, okay. Um, so we were right. We started writing letters back and forth to each other. We recently had a video call for the first time in August. And that's when I told her, I wanted her to hear it from me that I was going to confront my biological father and let him know about me. Cause I, I wanted to do this like three times and I pulled back every time because I was scared. Wow. But I wanted to hear yeah. from her because if, if this man is that kind of man that she says, you know, these villages are so small. I wanted to, out of respect for her, to let her know from me and to out of protection because I would not want her finding out from someone in the village or him approaching her or all of that. So when I yeah. told her, um, she was okay with it, which was very odd. Like just, it was, I either felt like there was something not right with how okay she was with it or um she was at peace with it she made peace so I don't know but at least I knew she knew so I reached out to my birth father um I, I had all these scenarios in my head I created because the first time I had nothing created um I went in blindsided I said this time I'll create these scenarios of how it could go and if one of those things happens at least I prepared myself for it Let's just say what I found out was not the scenario. One of the scenarios, um, I to find out that him and my mom were together for a year. So they were boyfriend and girlfriend. He was with her through most of the pregnancy with me. So he knew about me. And he decided to break off their relationship because she was courting other men at the time. And which I also found out, my my birth mom is sadly I hate to like put it public out there, but was referred to as the easy girl of the village. Um, so it's it's it was very upsetting on many levels. Um, I I took it very hard when I first found that out. I felt very betrayed by my mom. I also felt like uh, you know a thing that we shared together of both being assaulted. Like I thankfully got away. Um, but the thing that I thought we bonded together and how our relationship started this time around was based on a lie. And I started just feeling very upset, but of course I go thinking like, I have to remove her as a mom and, re and look at her as a woman, a female at the time, right after the fall of communism in Romania, when things were different, she was abandoned by her mom at the time when I, when she got pregnant with me, she was kicked out of her home. She never mended her relationship with her mom till the day oh, she wow. died. So she was hurt. I don't know what kind of pain and sadness that she felt inside that made her do these things. Um, so I, ha I have to give, again, I have to give some limit to empathy towards her of why she made the de these decisions or made um, these allegations or said these things. But now the version, again, another version, I had to grieve for 11 years. I had to grieve that to go on to another one that it wasn't in the way we thought. Um, he Now she changed the story of um, he took advantage of her, which is a very big difference. Um, they were met at a wedding. They were drinking. So I think that's what she meant by they were both drunk and took advantage. Um, but... Yeah, so that's another version I had to jump on board with recently. Um, I'm still very, like, hurt by my mom, I, you know, that she lied to me. And, but like I said, I I have to at least give her some, some um, empathy. But I think my biggest thing now is more, which I'm going to tell her is, you know, you could have told me more. Like, instead of just saying this is what happened, and this is the man's name. You could have said more, like, we were together, we were this, we were that. Like, you could have given me more of the information. So rather than wait 11 years, like, you you can't, like, I made this one uh, post recently, and I just said, like, their story is their story. 
but when I, but once she got pregnant with me, their story becomes mine and I'm the one affected. And that's what I want to tell her is like, you can't let your child think that the way she came into this world was through a traumatic experience you had. Because that makes me feel like a terrible person. I used to hate myself thinking I was that. I was like, what kind of person am I if I'm half of that DNA? So I went through all, I mean, all the emotions, of course. And I know I'm not a horrible person, but that's where my mind took me to. Right. Um, But yeah, so that's my most recent version. I'm sure maybe in another decade I'll have another one. But (laughs) I feel like every decade I'm like given a new version. It's just like, uh, okay. Yeah. yeah, and then you take a decade to process it, and then get a yeah, new one. Yeah, and then yeah. So at the same time, I am getting ready to take on a new version and get um, familiarized with it. I'm still now grieving that that old one, and it's not yeah. even just like I want people to know. It's not just like <sighs> oh, well, that's good that it didn't happen. Oh, oh, now you don't have to think about that anymore. It it's not as easy as mm. as what people think. Like it is a good thing to know that, but it's also not easy because of what I've had to emotionally endure and everything I went through for that whole time and wanting to give up and everything. And which is why, like, I'm very big on with adoptee remembrance day and everything. So, um, absolutely. Yeah. I guess jumping ships really quick. Do we want to just go into adoptee remembrance day, your campaign touch base on that, um, before we kind of go deeper into your story on, adoptive family side and things like that yeah sure um so yeah so the cane the cane okay let me let me talk right the campaign (laughs) um my team and i started last year um for adoptive remembrance day we want i wanted to do something i'm like you know what i want to do like some kind of campaign where we wear a t-shirt so we're just trying to figure out names of what to call it and um we just kind of went with like i know people can't see but like we matter um and I was like, you know what, I'm going to do that. And I'm going to have people buy the t-shirts. Like, they just buy it on their own. I don't sell them. They buy it. Like, I, I, they just give me the order. I'll go buy it. They pay for it. Nothing comes to me, like, any percentage just for the t-shirt to be involved in it. So, um, on that day, Adoptee Remembrance Day. So, obviously, you guys know it's for um, adoptees who have, you know, taken their life, you know, the suicide. Um who have also died in the hands of their adopters as well, um, which sadly happens. And I and then I also wanted to include those who have attempted to have thoughts, like myself. Like we all know, again, is adoptees are four times more likely to attempt suicide because you don't we don't feel heard, we don't feel seen, we don't feel like we have this the, the support yeah. that we need. It's not that we don't have support around; it's we need the right support. And exactly. the right people to help us. Right. Um, so I wanted to involve everybody because um, I was a part of that statistic. I thank the Lord that I'm not anymore. I'm here. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad that I'm here. And I just want people to know, like, you're not alone. So the more people I can get to to wear these shirts and, you know, just stand up, like, speak for the voice of the voiceless, like the ones who aren't here anymore. Speak for the ones, the voiceless who are here and don't feel like they have a voice to, to, to use or they're scared to. So I, I want to do it for them. Um, so last year, yeah, we had the t-shirts, but I also included that if people don't buy the shirt on that day, wear yellow. Wear something yellow, a yellow shirt, yellow headband, yellow pants. I don't think anyone owns yellow pants, but if you have yellow pants, do it. Anything yellow and just in support and honor. And I had this whole post that I write up like closer to the, I think in October, of the the instructions. I have like a certain description. I tell people like take a picture, post it on your story, your feed, use the description, use the hashtags we use, use any other hashtags you want to use, but do this specific stuff. And then tag me in it. Um, And then I will reshare because the more people we have out there supporting each other and honoring each other. um, So that's my biggest thing. So I'm hoping every year it could just increase more and more and more people have the T-shirts and and be and participate in it. And it's not just for adoptees. It's for it could be for anybody, you know, that's adopted. Um, It could be 
um, maybe just any non-adoptees who want to support us, who the ones who listen to us and give us that space to, to talk, I, that would be amazing for them to get a shirt. They can honor us, yeah. honor what we've experienced and what we've gone through. Um, so, yeah, that is the campaign. Wow. That's really great that you've done all that work. I think um, when it comes to kind of that unity and such, it's like Erica and I have talked about the fact that when it comes to the adoptee triad, it's always been the voice of like the birth mother slash bio parents and the adoptive parents and the adoptees have somehow the most impacted person in this triad has been the most silenced. And that's what leads us to that, you know, with that being four times more likely. And every single time I hear or read that statistic, I get chills and I'm like, Oh, it just like feels so icky and so sad and just awful and just so many different things. But it's like, there are so many of us now with the way that like social media has aided our voices mm-hmm. that it's like, we can do things like this. Like you can put together this kind of campaign and hopefully make, you know, I remember seeing that on your page last year and it was like, Oh my gosh, this is so great that this is actually being talked about. And, you know, it's always kind of a statistic that we talk about, like Eric and I talk about pretty frequently. And it's like, it's again, we're a community that's, pretty silence you know we were I'm gonna rephrase that we were because when I first came on yeah I felt I I didn't really feel it I guess I felt I did feel silence but it was also me also gaslighting myself like I think a lot of us gaslight ourselves too to the point where like we feel like no one's gonna listen so we don't and then what's the point in talking and if people aren't gonna understand what we're saying so I'm like no forget that I was like, um, I said, I'm going to start sharing. So I decided to last within like a year, I went head on into my healing. I don't know why I did it so fast (laughs) because it was like, I decided to, it, it was like, you just start unraveling something and then it just keeps going and you can't stop it. And I just kept going, kept going. Like some people, you know, over time share things. No, I was like, boom, boom, boom. Like one after another, (laughs) I went into everything. And I finally, I was sharing that. I finally did a podcast and um, went on with my friend. Um, It was her podcast to share about my sexual assault for the first time, because that's something else that I buried inside for 11 years. I never told, it was actually 12 years when I did the podcast. I never told anybody. And if I did mention it, it was never details. I, so I went on for the first time and actually shared specifically what happened and what happened in that moment. I, I did like a, a you know, a, like one, like a whole detailed of exactly everything. And um, that was the first time and I was like, well, you know what? I just got to keep ripping out those band-aids off and just keep sharing that by the time I was done sharing everything, I was like, I'm tired. <laughs> like I literally was like oh my gosh like I think I need a break now like <laughs> like after yeah. I did that first EMDR session I was like I think I'm gonna just give myself some time because it's it's exhausting that constant yeah. healing and doing that work and thinking on it all that time um so yeah I I decided to not silence myself and that is why you both know, like, I have a IGTV live series on Instagram um, by or every week, and it's called Brave Souls. And I have, I've, I'm finishing up season four right now. I have a couple more episodes for season four, and I would love to have both of you come on as guests, so we will talk about that. Um, yeah. But it's to share, you know, I started it for NAM, for National Adoption Awareness Month, two years ago. And I was like, you know, I want to do something really cool. I want to, I want to bring adoptees on. Actually, I wanted to bring the triad. I wanted to involve everybody in the triad and come on. So I've had adopted parents. I had um, adoptees and birth parents come on, or birth moms. So at the end of the month, I was like, you know what? I was like, I'm not going to stop this. I said, why should I only share these stories for a month? I'm like, they should always be shared. So that's what started me up on that. And I have, like I said, I have a lot of adoptees that come on and share their journeys with um, on through all my episodes. Um, I've had a lot of birth moms, a lot of adoptive parents, and and that's what I want to do more is include the triad, have people like, come together, 
listen to each other, learn from each other. I don't, I personally don't like the whole blame game of this person's fault, that person's fault. We're all at fault in some way. I'm not saying we are so much, but there are things that I could have done differently too as an adoptee. I could have reached out for help. I could have said to my parents, I want to go see a therapist, but I want to see adoption reformed. I could have all these things I could, I could have took accountability for, but I didn't know that I, I needed help. I didn't know how to ask for help. And of course, when you have that glamorized version and it's like that whole grateful experience, you almost feel like you feel bad to ask for that. Like I'm not being grateful. So why do you need help when we did something good for you? So, so I get that, but that's my whole thing now is like, I, I don't want adoptees against adoptive parents. Like I hate that. Like, just listen I know there's adoptive parents out there that don't want to hear us and but that's a problem with themselves but there are many adoptive parents that do and all the adoptive moms and dads I've had on are the ones that also have been doing the work on their end and that's most important and um, they want to learn from us to help their adopted child so those are the ones that I respect the most is the ones who really want to take the time and learn from us the lived experience and um we couldn't agree more with that yeah so that's uh that's not only like I said I wanted to share my journey but I want to share as many journeys as possible just to hear all the perspectives from everybody and um what each person each side of the triad has to go through they go through their own trauma as well not just us so if we all learn from each other I'm not saying it's going to ever remove the trauma, but I think it'll help big time. Definitely. Yeah. And so, and with all of the stages you have been healing and relearning and, you know, kind of going back and forth, is that why you started Baby Be Brave? Like, is that your main reason or is there something else behind that? Well, actually, so I started, it was during the pandemic, actually. So 2020, during the pandemic, I ended up moving back with my parents right before the pandemic hit, which again was a blessing in disguise because there's no way I was able to afford that on my, like being on my own. And then they're, you know, they're older and like, I, you know, I was there to kind of protect them and go shopping for them and everything. But my mental health took a decrease at the end, like towards the end of it, like, or like towards like that year. Um, I would say like midway, like spring, summer, it was when it really started hitting me. And I just was feeling so hopeless. I was feeling so sad. And I was just like, I'm stuck with my parents. I'm 30 years old. Like I went through all these things. Like I beat myself up, like first my personal situation and my adoption situation, everything that I, um, I almost, took my life again I was like I just was laying there so hopeless I'm like I just and it's the thing is it's like I didn't want to I don't I didn't want to leave I just wanted to stop feeling so bad so as I'm laying there I'm like you know what I was like a thought came in my head I was like there's no way I'm the only one out there that goes through this that is like that goes through this so I wanted to I was laying I was like okay I want to create an Instagram it was for like inspiration and just like for support and friendship. And I was like, what can I call it? And I really wanted brave. I just loved brave because it has, you know, you think of brave is so cliche name, but bravery has so much power behind it. Like there's different kinds of bravery. So I'm like, and I'm just like shooting like all these names out, like brave this, brave that. And I said, baby, be brave. That's right. I was like, there it is. So I created it, and in the beginning, honestly, it was not for adoption. It was just for people who just felt alone and sad and just, like I said, for friendship. So I would just post these great inspirational quotes, and I would just, like, I didn't really share much about me. I just more of, like, that inspiration page and that support page until NAM came along, the National Adoption Awareness Month, and I, that's when I started, ever since I started the, the, the lives with Brave Souls, that sparked my passion of what I want to do with Baby Be Brave. And I'm like, okay, it's going to turn into a, an adoption community now. And that's when I kind of went with it. And I was, and that was the, honestly, by creating this platform and meeting other adoptees, that saved my life, literally saved my life. And um, yeah. 
I would not be standing here today without the adoption community. Um, Mm. So I'm very, very blessed to where I am now and just the amount of support and love we get from each other. And um, that's so important. Yeah. So yeah, that's when it all started. Wow. That's amazing. I, I love where it came from and everything. It's, it's so weird because I feel like there is often, and I, you know, hesitate to say it this way, but like your story and where that comes from is incredible, but in that brave way. Cause you know, so many people, when you say like, Oh, I was adopted. They're like, well, that's cool. I'm like, pretty sad about it, but okay. Like (laughs) it's so bad, but it's like, I hear that all the time. So it's like, in a different way, you know, obviously meaning that it is a very brave way of doing it. And, you know, Erica and I had a very similar situation with just how this has brought us together, just with doing the podcast. And especially with what you were talking about with getting so exhausted by healing. And for us, it was really like the podcast started right before the pandemic. And then the pandemic allowed us to use that time and really helped Mm -hmm. us grow. But we were hitting episodes and talking about this stuff so hard and it was just exhausting. Like I would be drained after an episode and like have to cry it out for an hour after we were done and just be like, Oh, we let it all out. And I was doing really intensive stuff. I was like at the beginning of the pandemic because I had the time I was seeing a therapist twice a week because it was like, let's get it done. You know? And I think a lot of adoptees, I can't remember which, adoptee that we know, but there was someone that had mentioned like, you know, has the pandemic given you a lot of time to think about your adoption just because of like how much things shifted during the pandemic with relationships, with being lonely and uh, like alone and, you know, being isolated. It was just like such a crazy time. And I think so many of our voices, especially on like the social media and kind of self-producing kind of stuff, like Mm -hmm. both of us, you know, it's like, we have the time to, we have the time to think about it. We have the time to, you know, actually produce those mm-hmm. types of things. Exactly. So, no. And yeah, go back to what you said yeah. about like, I get that a lot when I tell people like I'm adopted and they automatically like, Oh, that's amazing. So it's funny. Cause when I first used to hear it, I was just like, Oh <laughs> no, it's like, it is, yeah. but it's not as like what you think it is. Like, so Exactly, but now I exactly. just calmly sit there and I'm just holding my glass of wine and I'm like, no. So I said, I said it is, it is amazing. But here's the thing. It, there's a lot of complications. There's a lot of pain that comes along with it. And I explain it to them, um, which is also exhausting. Yeah. Because then now you have to explain to people why something that they think is so incredible also not, you know, it it's amazing and sad it there it's two it goes hand in hand with it there is no one side version of adoption like it's you know and I like I said it all goes back to the whole glamorized like a lot of people think like just um you were given a life you were you were chosen you were yeah feel um, grateful yeah you you were loved so much his family took you in when no one had you when you had nobody and all that and of course I'm grateful like I I was in an orphanage in Romania I mean, a lot of mm. Eastern European countries, I mean, at the time, especially even now, like, very big on, like, sex trafficking and all of that. Like, Russia, Ukraine, like, all of the the border countries around Romania. Like, so if I would not have gotten adopted and I would have aged out, I would have been living on the streets or something worse. So I'm like, would you rather me just sit in an orphanage and have nobody? So, yeah, I am grateful to be here. But also know that, like, don't diminish, like, don't diminish, like, what I've gone through. Like, let's hear me out and listen. So exactly. I do try to do that now. And obviously, through my own journey, I've been able to, like, talk to people better than yeah. what I used to before. I could actually sit there and not feel like I'm constantly, like, like beating it to death. It's just I, I share the main points. I share this, what I have to say. And then that's it. And I say it in a way where it's received well. And when it's not received well, I know it's not on me. It's on them. And I'm like, well, you know what? I tried. Right. Um, You're the percentage of people why we feel unsafe. And Mm -hmm. I'm sorry that you have Mm -hmm. to, you live life that way. Um, Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. 
And did you have that, um, like, through your parents? Uh, just, like, did you have good support through them, like your adoptive parents, um, family, things like that? How was that dynamic growing up, even, like, to when you were finding out, things like that? So I actually have more support now than I did when I was younger. Um, okay. So it's not that don't take this wrong way. My family, I come from a very large family. Like there's like a hundred and plus cousins. Like we have so many people and, um, we just, we're very close. We're very loving. We always have each other's backs and that's how it always been. It's always will. But I think it's just on that level, like, again, I have to remove them from my family and think of them as people outside the adoption world and not understand it. And then the people who only see it as, like, they gained me, I'm theirs. Like, to them, it's amazing, and it should be. I'm not taking that away from them. They they have the right to feel that way. They're excited for me. But it's really hard um, when... I guess, again, I, I wasn't old enough. I wasn't, like, processed enough to, like, really sit there and explain to them what I was feeling, what I was going through. So I buried everything inside. I walked around with that mask in front. And I I did tell... So actually, when I wanted to reach out to my... When I wanted to find my birth mom, I went up to my adoptive mom and I told her, I was like, I said, I, I want to go searching for her. But if this is something that's going to make you sad, I won't do it. And I selfishly told her that mm. because I I didn't want her to feel like she was not my mom. Like she's she not again. good enough. Yeah. I know, I know. And that's something, of yeah. course, we talk about too. But, you know, she she was supportive. Like she was supportive in the response. And that's what I needed. She was like, you know what? She's like, it's something you need to do. It's okay. Like both her and my dad were supportive on my decision. What I would have probably liked more is for them to be involved through the process of it and the results of it. That's when I needed them the most. It's like, I, it's not that I needed their approval, but I felt like I, since I had that, they did that for me. They, they gave me the go ahead, the green light. But now as I'm going through the process and it's very emotional and very scary time, and especially when it didn't turn out the way I wanted, I was heartbroken and I just, I didn't feel very supportive because one, again, I didn't express it. So how can someone be there for you if they don't know what's going on? But I also at the same time feel like, and this is anybody, not just my parents. If you are a parent and you know that your child, you sense your child is not okay or something's off or something's weird, or even if they're not showing it, just know the fact that they're going through this very big thing in their life they're facing this by themselves like let me let them know like hey I'm here what's happening how do you feel hug like I I wasn't really it's not an emotional family so I didn't really get a lot of like hugs and like we sweep some things under the rugs and that's just and that's generational like that's how my parents were raised and it's like do my parents love me absolutely will they do anything for me absolutely but I needed the emotional support through it I was handling it myself financially and everything. I needed the emotional support. Um, so, yeah, I, that which comes back to I suffered a long time, many years, didn't tell my family what I was going through until recently when I started everything, I started expressing more and really sharing to everybody what it was like. And, I, you know, I, again, I think it's all about timing because I also... As an adoptee, mm-hmm. you never stop needing support from your family. You never. Like, right. it doesn't matter if you just, if you're going, you went through it 10 years ago, 20 years ago, or, or that happened, like, last year. Like, it's a, we say it's a lifelong journey. I will always forever need their support, that emotional support. Asking how I'm doing. Being involved in my life. Like, if I, if you know something major is coming up, like, with my phone calls with my mom, or talking to my father, or whatever... You, like, just say, hey, I'm here when you're ready to talk. How did it go? Would you like to share? How are you feeling? Like, give me a hug. Something that, to me, that's so important. That's, I guess, my love language is just, um, I don't know what the love language for that would be. If um, I think adoptees should make our own love language up. Yeah. We really should. <laughs> yes. Because it's not a traditional, like, the love for language. Sure. Yeah. To me, is like, I love people who just, who care. 
who want yeah. to be there, who are involved in my life. Like, don't just be involved in my life because I'm Michelle, the cousin. Be involved in my life because I'm Michelle, the adoptee as well. Like, this, like, take that me out of that. Like, I'm also a person going through this. Like, how... So I don't know. So basically, um, but yeah, I've gotten more support and I'm very, very excited and happy that's happening recently. Uh, people are asking me questions. My family's asking me questions. I'm sharing with my parents a lot more on things. I finally just told them about the whole EMDR and psychotherapy and everything. And, you know, it was a really sad but touching moment. Um, I had my parents over for dinner and I was telling them and my mom comes in the kitchen and she's like, just when you, when you think you know somebody, but I didn't. And she's like, I didn't know. And I just looked at her and I'm like, and, and that's when I was, I was able to take accountability for things and let her go on some things in that moment. Cause I could just tell if she just like, she was hurt by it. And I told, and it wasn't so much towards me. It was just hurt. Like that. She didn't know as a mom that she probably felt a certain way. So I was like, mom, I was like, you didn't know. I said, I don't expect you to know because I didn't tell you. I was like, and also you did the best you could with what you knew. You were adopting me in the nineties. There weren't all these tools and resources. It was international adoption. It was just, you didn't go through education, all this, like you didn't have, you, you wouldn't know it wasn't that time. So I'm like, you did the best you could. I said, it's okay. And I said, I didn't ask for help. So that was like, for me to like, let release that it's my biggest, my main link thing in life for myself is peace. I am trying to let go of so many things that are, have been hurting me that it's been like for years it's built in, but I'm like, I have to let these things go for me to find more peace. I don't one day want, I don't want to die holding on to anything that I've had against somebody especially my family. They're the people that I love the most and like vice versa. So if I can release some of that um, off of them or off of myself and and take that accountability that I could have also done better too in, in my own way, I feel more peace with that. It's like another weight has just lifted off. Um, and you know, I'm not perfect, obviously. Like I, I'm doing work mm-hmm. every day. I still make mistakes. I still... Once in a while, I'll still be yeah. hard on myself. I'll still have my bad days. But I let's just say I have a lot more good days now than bad. And on those bad days, yeah. I process. I don't run away from them anymore. I don't shove them down anymore. I process them. I sit with it when I get triggered. I used to, like, when I got triggered, I would just be like, I would be a hot mess. But now I'm like, I sit down, mm. I'm like, why would that trigger me? What would be the reason? I think about it and I'm like, that's why. And then I'm like, okay, that's something else. Like I, I say a lot, it's like triggers aren't setbacks, they're reminders. And it's like a reminder of like something else that you need to work on inside. Like um, I used to think of it every time I had a bad day. I'm like, oh, well, I just took a step back. I'm not doing great. And then I'm like, no, I am doing amazing. Just the fact that I'm self-aware that I know this. That's process. That's progress right there. And it's, you're in your healing journey for life, like we say, and it's really the truth. And I love my journey because I'm, I'm learning. I am learning to love myself. I never loved myself. I, I used to always put myself down, but now when things happen, I don't blame myself anymore. I go to the situation and be like, how could this person do this? Why would it happen this way? I used to like just go right to myself. Well, maybe if I was this way, I was that mm-hmm. way, would it be different? Like, I don't do that anymore. And that's how I know I found a lot of love and acceptance within myself yeah. because I've done this work. And it's, again, it's still exhausting even for me. Mm-hmm. And especially hearing, not only do I talk about my story, I talk to a lot of adoptees about their stories. I, I yeah. heard hundreds of stories in the past two years. So, mm-hmm. and I love it though. But also, you when you take that weight on, it could be, you know, you carry that weight for somebody, too. And that's how I am. I carry weight on from somebody else. I, I carry that pain along with them. But um, so it gets exhausting, but it's it's part of the process. I just love how that you gave your um, adoptive mom just kind of that peace and clearance to just 
feel okay because they didn't have any type of resources back then. And that's fair. I mean, that was a really good point. And just letting yourself take steps at a time and heal when and how you should. Yeah, that was really, really good to hear as a reminder to myself too that even though you had a bad day or one part, you're not going backwards. It's just how can I move forward from this and how can I, you know, really take that in instead of just shutting down. So I thank you for sharing that and all that you've shared already. It's been really eye-opening and another part of adoption that, you know, we haven't really explored to ourselves with getting different mixed messages, things like that. It's just amazing to still feel connected on a lot of aspects of how different our stories are. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. We only, I mean, we have a couple last questions that we like to ask everyone um, just to kind of get like little snippets of like, you know, the one thing that you might like, if there was one thing you wish people would realize about adoption, what would that thing be? You're not alone. Uh, clearly there's a whole community here to support you. So when you can't find that support at home or around you, you know that you go right on Instagram and you look up all our pages and we're right there behind you. Because like you said, we all do have a different journey, but we're all adopted. We have a different journey, different upbringing, different trauma, different past, different healing. But in the end, we're still adoptees. So um, just be patient with yourself be kind to yourself don't be so hard on yourself and I give this advice because this is something I've battled with and I have to remind myself every day and it's like I I have this mantra that I say a lot is um you're doing the best you can with what you were given and that is what I have to tell myself like I didn't choose this life for myself but I'm choosing how I want to change it how I want my my story to change, how I want to grow from it and help others. So just go about adoption in general. It's, it's not as glamorized what people think it is. It's not as excitable as people imagine it to be. Like, absolutely, adoption is beautiful. There's so much beauty in adoption. But when it's done the right way. But also there's beauty. My Also, my biggest beauty is in your healing that's the beauty in it. We, we try, like I said, we try to ask that question every time of like what you wish people would realize and what advice you would give. And it's always different and it's always so helpful for us listening as hosts for us Mm -hmm. sharing it. Like, you know, that's exactly what you talked about just with the community talking to each other. Is there anything that you have questions for us about or anything else that we can do for you to also support you? You know, honestly, the biggest thing, the biggest way you could support is the fact that you provided me this platform to talk. Because that right there is everything. Like, you can give, you can give that space to people. Yeah. You can give um, your ear to people. Like, it's whatever way you can be there for someone, that's the way you show up for people. So, by showing up for me, uh, was allowing me to come on and share my journey with you. And just hearing me the whole time. And help and share my story because the last time I did a podcast, everything was different. Yeah. So, um, I have not been on any recent, like recently to share the newest information. So right. I really needed this as well. Cause it's also, it's also Absolutely. healing for me, a part of my journey. So I just appreciate you both. Thank you very much. Oh, we're so glad we are so honored to also be here to hear that new story. It's crazy how, how much things have changed. So, Um, If you want to just kind of tell everyone how to find you, you know, everything coming up with, uh, you know, um, National Adoptee Awareness Month and um, the, you know, specific day that we're going to be, you know, all wearing the shirts if just kind of plug, plug everything. (laughs) Yes. So um, you can follow me on, I'm I'm mostly um, on Instagram. That's where I'm most active. Um, So it's baby, baby be brave underscore. Um, you can also go to our website, very simple, www.babybebrave.com. Um, it's still like rene- I'm renovating it, I'm updating it, but what I have so far, it's I added more photos of all the events that we did, um, bios about me, just um, just different things that people come on 
um, you can email us at team at baby, team at baby be brave.com. Um, and we can get back to you, but yeah, um, for Adopt Remembrance Day, like I said, we have the t-shirts. If you don't get a t-shirt, you could wear yellow. I'm always here, so reach out to me anytime, of course. And yeah, yeah it, it was you. an honor to be here today. Oh, thank, thank you. Thank you so much. And of course, uh, to our listeners, you know where to follow us at Colombian Influence on Instagram or on Facebook. Um, kind of working on our TikTok, I guess, a little bit as well. <laughs> Uh, and of course, like when it comes to the adoptee journey, we of course did finish up the primal wound series. So that is available, um, both audio and visual on YouTube. So check us out there. Otherwise, um, you know, we'll be back with more content soon until next time. Later. Later.